go ahead and get started. Okay. Um, I don't know if a lot of you guys may have been here last week. Um, some of you may not. Uh, I was actually downstairs with the children last week, so I actually listened to the podcast. I highly recommend listening to the podcast, even if you were here. Uh, there's something about kind of by yourself, just listening to uh, what is being communicated without any distractions. Or uh, I just I picked up a lot of good stuff. And, and I'll tell you, we've been talking about, we had the series, and, and Bill told you that last week was the last sermon in the series. Well, guess what? It wasn't. There's one more uh, that uh, actually Bill said, look, you get to preach about whatever you want to preach about this week. And then he called me up on Monday. He says, hey, I think we have a sermon. We have one more for a, a program uh, to change the world. I was like, great. Let's, let's get together and talk about it. And we did. And, you know, he's spot on. There's, there's a piece that, that is key to um, the vineyard movement, uh, what we believe, and I think it's key to our success and understanding, um, you know, how we fit in and what our role is. We've been talking a lot about that, and, and I heard in his podcast from last week, and I've, I've been fortunate to be a part of giving a couple of these messages it is so hard when you know the punchline and you can't tell anybody yet. We started this thing six weeks ago, and we, we knew the answer. We knew what the program was to change the world. And we've been building it up and building it up and building it up. And, and to stand up here and know, but we, we kind of have to hold back because last week he gave it to you. I don't know if you got that piece, but when I heard it on his podcast... Um, the program. Does anybody know what the program is to change the world? Who, who is that? It's Jesus. It's who? who? It's me. It's me. That's what he said right there. It's me. Jesus gave, Jesus was the fix. Jesus fixed the problem of the world. The problem was sin. We're going to go through some of the review again. But the piece that I think is critical to understand is that you and I are the program. There's not something that a church is going to do. There's not something they're going to put together that is going to change the world unless you have the right relationship with God and you become part of that change every day in your sphere of influence. You remember Bill saying that? Wherever you're at, wherever you're operating, you have the ability to change the world. And if we're waiting on something to come out of a, even our movement, the Vineyard Movement, or we're waiting for another um, program from another church or something, we, we, miss, we miss it. We are the program. We are the ones that God, God chose to use us. He chose us. He could have done it himself. He didn't need to. But he chose you and he chose me. That if we said yes, he said, I will give you the authority and I will give you the power to change the world. That's the, that is the nugget of this whole six-week period was right there. When he said that last week, I, I, wish, I wish you'd have spoke 45 minutes on you are the program. Because when you understand that, 
you understand your purpose and you understand your mission that God has us on here together. And you understand that you affect change through your relationship with Jesus and going out into the world. And yes, the world is Bucky's and it's Walmart and it's the new HEB. That's the world. I'm, I'm glad we're singing Swahili. I'm glad that, that we have missions in Mexico. But some of you may never make it to Africa or you may never make it to Mexico. But I promise you, you are in Angleton and Lake Jackson and Freeport and Surfside and Brazosport and West Columbia and Brazoria all the time. This is where we operate. This is our world. And we can bring change to this community, the change that God has called uh, to bring life, hope, to a dying world. So, um, man, I just thought it was a great piece. And we're going to talk a little bit, um, review uh, one more time. I know you guys have been pounded with this stuff, but just, just grab it and understand that if you, if, you can, if you can take this, this information, it's going to change the way that, that maybe you, you see coming to church. Maybe it's going to change the way that you pray. Maybe it's going to change... You realize that you are, you have become the solution for mankind because you carry Jesus. You carry the truth of Jesus in you, that Jesus came and you said yes. So when you do that, number one, you understand that the world is not fixable. It's not. There's nothing you can do that will fix the world. And mankind has tried time and time and time and time again, and we fail. No matter what we do, we've talked about it. There were kings and armies, and if we just would do it my way, this way, everything would be good. Well, then we got smart, and we talked about the enlightened period. So now we're educated, and if we could just educate everybody, everything would be great. Everything would be perfect. The problem is man can't fix what's wrong with the world. And we identified, what is the problem? Sin is the problem, and it's corrupted everything. Everything, creation. Not just humankind, not just mankind, but all of creation has been corrupted by sin. So God made a way through his son, Jesus. And Jesus came to fix what we could not. And how he did it was by the Holy Spirit. And God was directing him every day. And he was challenged by the same sin that we're challenged by. And he overcame it. He overcame sin to be the victory on the cross that brought us back into the right relationship. He was the solution to fix what was broken. And through his sacrifice on the cross, mankind found freedom and found life. Do what Jesus did. And so when you take that on, what we've been talking about is we become the light of the world. We become his light. We become his representatives. We become his ambassadors, whatever you want to throw on it. You, when, when you are baptized, you die to yourself. When you, when you guys chose to be baptized... You said, I don't want to be the Donna 
that I've been, that I want to live my life for Jesus Christ, and that you become his very life to other folks. People see his characteristics, they see his love, they see his hope, and they experience his power and authority through you, Donna, because you said yes, and you died to what the world gave you to accept Jesus being that fix. And now you walk that out, and you become part of the program to change the world. And you know that, don't you? I, well, we all have come a long way. We all have. Um, and last week, Bill was talking about our struggle or our fight is not political. There's not enough votes. There's not enough bombs to, to win. What are we trying to win? What do we think we win? If we don't identify that the effects of sin are the real issues every day in our country, um, there have the last few weeks. If you if you've turned on Facebook or you turn on the news or the radio, if you listen to talk radio, there are a lot of things that are going on that that really uh, don't seem to line up with what scripture may say. How do you respond to that? As the church, how do we respond to those things that may not line up exactly the way God says? Because I tell you what I've been reading breaks my heart. It is in direct conflict with what we've been talking about. It's not that we don't hold true to the scriptures and we believe it with every word and every fabric of our being. I know that to be true. But you know what I also know to be true? That man is not the enemy. That sin has aligned us with the one that who, who is. And that the issue that the world has is a sin issue. It's not a mankind issue. It's not. And so the way we respond, we have to look. We have to look at that. We have to look to the way, what did Jesus do? How did Jesus respond? He was always going after the heart. His motive was in love. And um, in John uh, 16, uh, oh, chapter, John chapter 3, verse 17 uh, for uh, Jesus did not come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. He realized the problem was not man. It was a bigger problem than, than man. And if we take on that, that mission and, and that view, then what we realize is what we've been talking about, that we're fighting against something bigger than each other. And that our fight isn't right here with what we can see. So, we have to understand who is the enemy. Who is your enemy? I told you we needed, we needed to wrap up the program. You have to understand this piece. It's key and it's critical for us to, to move in uh, the way that God wants us to move. So, to understand who is your enemy. Uh, 
Victor, can you come up? So scripture makes it clear. <laughs> There's more to man's reality. We talked about this. There's the seen and there's the unseen. And, and you have to understand, we operate in both of those. We operate in the seen and what we know. But we also have authority in what we don't see. And Scripture makes that pretty clear. Um, Victor's going to help me with a few Scriptures here. He's going to read uh, Ephesians 3, 10 through 12. Finally be strong in the Lord. And right here, buddy. Oh. No, no. <laughs> oh, just make sure we get you on the mic. Yeah. Finally, be strong in the Lord and His and His might power. But put on the full armor of of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For you struggle in not against fl flesh and blood, but against the rule, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil. And heavenly realms. All right. So Ephesians 3, 10 through 12. And I don't have it up here. So if you got a Bible or you want to pull it up on your phone and read it. Who's the enemy? Did you hear who the enemy was in that? Don't give in to who? You want to read that part again? Or are you moving to the next one? Yeah. Ephesians okay. 3, 10. Listen real 13. quick. Finally, yeah, you go. Finally be strong in the Lord and and his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. Stop right there. So we take our stand against the devil's scheme. There is a, a direct opposition to God. And that we have to understand that he has given us charge and mission to overcome that which opposes him. He has given us the authority. And so we need to understand that sin was brought in by Satan. And we make known to both the seen and the unseen in the heavenly realms, we make known the manifold wisdom of God. And we say to whom? So we come back to the next one. Who are the rulers and the authorities um, how are we educating them? How, do, how are we educating them? Because what we do here affects what goes on there. Do you get that piece? What you bind on earth will be bind there. That's how we have uh, authority through God. That's how we change the world. That's how we combat the rulers and principalities of Satan, that what we do here affects what goes on there. Does that make sense? Colossians 2, 13 through 15. Got it? Yeah. You're looking it up for us. Mm-hmm. 
for he has rescued us from the for he has rescued us from from the domin, dominion of darkness and brought us into into the kingdom of the sons he loves in whom he he have res, redemption and forgiveness of sins all right so here here's what we got number 1 is for some reason the powerpoint's not following the notes so here's what I, I want to uh, tell you guys real quick. We talked about a brief history. Did I give you Genesis 1? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, read, let's go all the way back when we were trying to identify who our enemy is. And I, I want to go through Genesis 1 um, where God had created us. And, and we're going to go from Genesis 1, 27 through 31. You ready? Yeah. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be, f- be fruitful and increase in numbers. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and birds of, of the air and over every living creature and moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed beer seed-bearing plants on, on the face of the whole world, and every tree that has fruit with seeds in it, they will be yours for food. Computer. Oh. Right there. And to tell all the, all the beasts of the earth and, and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green tr- green plant for food, and it is, and it 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 was so. God saw all that He had made, and it was very good. And there was a, there was evenings, and there was mornings. The sixth day. All right, thanks, Victor. All right. I'm going to catch up with you guys because there was a piece here that I wanted to, to pull out. Number one is that God made us in his own image. Let's see. Where's my, where's my notes? I wish you guys could see it from here. It's the second time I've had that happen. So, um, Satan and his followers are scheming against us. We talked about that. Um, But God created us in his own image. And when God created us, he said, it is good. What I did was good, was right, was perfect. And somewhere along that, that way, things got messed up. And we talked about that a little bit, and I can't find it in the notes that I had here, but what happens is that uh, God had given us dominion over the earth. We were to rule and to reign over everything, all the animals of the sea, all the animals of the land. We had dominion over the, 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 the plants. Um, our job was to rule and reign. And um, along that way, along those lines, Man was tempted. Man was given an option. 
And we said yes. We gave in to temptation. And mankind introduced evil or sin into our world. To, to have that peace and to understand... You have a seat, buddy, if you want. <laughs> um, is to understand that that we, we had a role in bringing God made us. He gave us free will, and we had a role in introducing sin into the world. Before we disobeyed God, we had no knowledge of evil. It was all good. Every There was no death. Do you realize that when, when mankind disobeyed God, they knew it like that. You know what Adam and Eve said? We're naked. They realized something's different. Something's different. We, can you imagine living in a world where you had no ideal of evil, of things that were bad? Huh? You wouldn't exist. <laughs> it was true. I mean, that's the way God intended. And, and you know, it, it's, it's, we messed it up. But what we have to understand is that from that point on, evil came into the world. And man has been trying to fix that problem, that decision, or the consequences of those choices from that time to where we are today in history. I'm talking to my wife, and we were going through the sermon yesterday, and said, do you realize, she told, she's the theologian in our, our household, she said, do you realize the significance of what God did for man, even when we, we sinned, when we disobeyed, when we realized that something was different, Adam and Eve realized we're naked. He killed. He made the first kill. He killed an animal that they would be able to clothe and cover themselves. They were, they were shameful. And God killed. He was the first one to kill, to, to offer covering for his creation, for mankind. You know, if you, if you read through um, and understand that, I think I'm, I'm on who is your enemy, Colossians 2. Are you there yet? We, oh, creation of mankind. Okay, good. There we go. Good. I missed that other slide. But All right, this is where we were at, where we were reading Colossians 13 through 15. Go ahead. Mike. Yeah. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumstances of your sinful sinful nature, God God made you alive, made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all in all our sins, having canceled the written code with it with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it all away, nailing it to the cross. And having dis disarmed the powers and authorities, 
he made a public spec spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. Thanks. Good, good. All right, so I think we're done. That's, that's perfect. That's all I need from you, buddy. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're good. You can leave it right there. Thanks, Victor. That's our youth in action, baby. I love it. All right, so what, what that's telling us is that Jesus was the solution. And what you need to understand in Romans 5.12, it says, all have sinned. There's not this perfect group. It's every sin infects everything, everything. And that Jesus came to die on the cross for everything that was enslaved to our enemy through sin. And what, what I was sharing before in the, the revelation that, you know, Kim, as she, she uh, brought it, was that God made the first kill to cover mankind's shame. When he, when he killed the animal to provide clothing, God did it again. He put his plan in motion the day that we disobeyed that God had a plan to bring us back. He knew. He knew the consequences of our choices. And so if you could, if you could see from the time that um, God made a way to hide our shame, even in the physical, with clothing, by killing an animal, what he did to, to completely restore all of humanity and all of creation was he made a way again. He sent his son, Jesus, and he died on the cross. And his blood is the covering for our sin. It was the price that had to be paid. It started all the way back in the beginning in Genesis. So what we, what we have is that the enemy is revealed. And what we need to know, we talked about Ephesians 6.10. We got there a little early. Um, where it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. For our struggle is not against each other, but against the rulers and the authorities, against the powers of the dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So our fight is with Satan. Satan and his followers are planning against us. Satan, the rulers, the authorities, the power of this dark world and the spiritual forces of, of evil in the heavenly realms are working to destroy what God had created. Again, enemy revealed in 6.12 clearly states that people are not our enemy. We are not here to fight with each other. We bring change to our world. And if we, if we have the knowledge and the understanding that there are two different kingdoms at work here. We have the kingdom of God, and you have the kingdom of this world. And they are clashing constantly. 
And we see the results of that. We see death. We see destruction. We see relationships that are broken and torn. We see disease and sickness. That's not all we see. So, and I've got my creation right here. That's where I missed my, my slide. Uh, we, we already talked about God creating man and woman in his own image and that we are created to govern the earth. Uh, and I, our charge was to grow the population. And we talked about ruling over the animals and everything was at mankind's disposal. We talked about the downfall. Let's go to the kingdom of God. You got that slide there? Invades the, e the evil. You got that slide? There you go. All right. This is the piece that you need to understand. We have a term for this in the vineyard. It's called the already, but not yet. I want you to see something. I've kind of jumped around, been here and there, but I hope that you got the, the crux of what I was trying to tell you guys. From creation, if you start at creation, you have the fall of mankind where we sin. We disobeyed God. And you see when we disobeyed that we introduced the evil age, which is the time that we live in now. Go ahead, go to the next slide. And I'm going to see if this thing works. And it's got some movement, but it may not. Kim was telling me she didn't think it would work. What's the next slide? Is it behind me? Okay. Okay, good. That's good. All right. So this is us. We're the people. We're, woo, we're having fun. This is where we live, right here. This is today. All right? This is the evil age. I want you to see something. When Jesus died... And he was resurrected. There became a break. There became something different in the world. And so no longer were we tied to just living in the evil age, but now we get to experience the age to come. And God told us, God made us a promise that there would be a new heaven and a new earth. And that there would be no more sickness. And there would be no more disease. And we talked about the kingdom, two kingdoms in this, in, in, that are going on and that are battling today. You have God's kingdom and you have the world's kingdom. And we've seen what the world has to offer. When Jesus came and Jesus died, what we believe is that we have now entered in the age to come. And it, we stay in the tension of the evil age and the age to come. You see how they overlap each other? That there are two things going on right now? And how we, how we see that is we believe that God sent Jesus to give us the authority and the power. What we've been talking about. We are the program. You are the program. You have been given all the tools that you need to operate in the evil age. To represent what life looks like in the age to come. Which means that you can pray for healing. 
I'm going to tell you, this is what it looks like. This is where we're at. And you can leave that slide up for a little bit. Danny Martinez. I I heard last week there was a story about Michael, and Danny's not even in here. There was a story last week about Michael coming to pray for someone. Were you guys here last week, everybody, pretty much? This is kind of like Betty said, our home. People here, I don't see a lot of visitors today. So if you were here, Bill was praying for someone that had a pain in their neck. He prayed for him three times. Nothing happened. So someone said, why don't you get Michael Martinez, 11-year-old kid, come pray for this lady. And he says, Mike comes running in, jumps over the, the bar there, and uh, comes over, and he prays, and she's completely healed. 11-year-old boy comes over, says a prayer of an 11-year-old boy, and she experiences healing. Danny Martinez, we're having home group. We get a phone call one night. Some lady, we don't even know, someone goes to our church, knew this lady, and she says, you guys are having home group tonight. Yep. Well, there's a lady in uh, Lake Jackson. She has uh, been diagnosed with an unoperable uh, cancer tumor that she they couldn't they couldn't do anything for and she was in constant pain mainly through her feet you remember that remember that danny there he is through her feet and the family just would love for someone to come pray we're doing our own thing you know we got our little study whatever we're doing a home group and so we're like okay remember we said we're a movement we'll do what god's doing so, so, okay, God must be doing something here. So we pack up and we go. And we, we go to this lady's house, and she's laying on the couch. And you're like, ow, you know, this is, this is a real deal. You know, you got family around, and, you know, we're, we're going to pray. Huh? Yeah, I, yeah, that's it. That's what it feels like. It feels like that. You feel about this big. The neighbors were there, too. And get we, people we don't know. We walk in. This lady introduces us. They've come to pray. They go to our church. So we're praying. You like feet, Danny? Hate them, don't you? Hate feet. He hates feet. Ugh. He would not. No way. Makes him sick. He's praying, and he reaches over, and he puts his hands on her feet where the pain is, and he begins to pray for her. He begins to pray for this lady, and, and she, she feels the power of the Holy Spirit. And she had tears in her eyes. She was hugging. We had all of us there. Danny was the one that God used. And I'm going to tell you how God used him. Was it three weeks later? It was, it was a few weeks later. Lady comes into the restaurant where somebody that we know works, the lady that called us. She went back to her doctor's appointment, completely healed. No cancer. No cancer. Completely healed. Because he hates feet, but he loves God. 
loves God. That's the already of the kingdom. That's what's breaking into the evil age. When we had another experience, and we're some crazy folks, we can, be, we can go outside the box. We're at home group. Well, we're at home group. I get a call, and I have a, a driver that works for my company. And he actually contract this guy. He becomes sick. He becomes ill, and he goes into the hospital. Well, I see him every now and then, and yeah, believe it or not, every now and then, if I'm up at the warehouse in the break room, I actually have an opportunity to share what God's doing in my life. Every now and then, not near what I need to be doing. Uh, but just so happened with this one guy, I was able to have some very good conversations. So he goes into the hospital. His family calls. Now, he's in Baytown, Texas, and says, his family says, they, he mentioned your name, gave us your number. Could you guys come pray for him? So what do we do? We call our home group. Those crazy people. They were in our home group. Said, hey, we got a guy that's sick. Can we go pray? Where's that? Baytown? We're there. Well, let's go. Yeah, in about an hour and a half away. So we go up there, and we, we pray. We pray, and they're all in the, the room. And then we leave. And as we're leaving, there's a guy. His leg is about this big, swole up. He's... Thin guy, but his leg is completely infected, and he's downstairs kind of walking. And Kim's walking out, and God just tells her, go pray for that guy. And it had nothing to do with his leg. It had to do with his heart. He had been um, estranged from his daughter for years. And God showed Kim that. And she got to pray for him. And he reached out, and he, and he connected back with his daughter again. Now, here's what happens. The guy we prayed for, he passed away in a matter of probably a week or two after we prayed for him when we were in the hospital. I lead worship. Every now and then I stumble through a sermon with you guys. I get a phone call. And they're saying, Jeff, would you, lead, would you lead my husband's funeral? Whatever gave you the idea that I do stuff like that? Well, you prayed for him. He always said that you were talking about God. What am I supposed to say? Yes, I will be glad to, to do that. I will be glad to lead your husband's funeral. Um, so the first thing I do is go buy a suit because I didn't own a I didn't own a suit. And I know that most people go to the funeral. They expect the pastor to dress up. Particularly these guys, they were older, so their traditional was, you know. And they had another pastor there, and I had to do a dual service. I had about 120 people there. And what I did was I got to share the kingdom of God with those folks and what, what we believe. The same message that I was able to share with Randy and his family. And... I didn't pull scriptures that talked about the hope to come. I pulled scriptures that talked about the hope today, right now, the already, that, that we, we don't have to wait 
that God has given us something so much more. I got to speak to 120 folks that got to hear truth and maybe found hope through that. And I don't know what the results of that were, but I know that I said yes to God and that God used me with that group of folks for that, that season in their life. And um, you just never know where God's going to put you. Uh, it, it reminds me, there's a, the power of one person. There's a, a, a gentleman by the name of Nicholas Winston. Do you guys know that name? You know the name? Um, it, this is recent. It's current. Um, there's a gentleman in, um, they call him the, the uh, British Schindler, right? Uh, he actually, there's a video. Is that up? Let's, let's look at this. I, I just want to show you the power of one person. Let's see if we can get it. Can I ask, is there anyone in our audience tonight who owes their life to Nicholas Winton? He was always the most reluctant of heroes, but there were many more beyond this room who owed their life to Nicholas Winton. You want to get the lights down a little bit? On a trip to Prague just before the outbreak of the Second World War, the young stockbroker saw the growing refugee crisis. He arranged eight trains from Prague to London, delivering almost 700 mainly Jewish children to the safety of foster families. It was not something I felt I had to do. It was something I wanted to do. He never spoke about it for 50 years until his wife discovered documents about the rescue mission in their loft. But even when he broke his silence publicly, it was regret for the children he didn't manage to save that he most wanted to talk about. 250 children in the train ready to leave in Prague. War broke out and they were sitting ducks then for Hitler. They all were killed. Some of those who survived themselves in their 80s watched him receive the Czech Republic's highest honor just last year at the age of 105. He was suitably modest to the very end. In a way, perhaps I shouldn't have lived so long to give everybody the opportunity to exaggerate everything in the way they are doing today. He was said to be uneasy being called the British Schindler. But the children he saved, their childhood long gone, were always proud to be forever known as Winton's children. Nicholas Winston. Did you notice his humility? Did you hear that? He lived with his wife for 50 years and never told her what he did to save over 700 children. That she found it, she found the records in an attic when she was going through some old boxes. And she found all the notes and the records of what he did to save those, those children. And the last thing he said there when they were giving him his uh, medal was. You know, I, I lived long enough to see you guys exaggerate and make such a big fuss of this. He was just doing what he does. It wasn't about fame, and it wasn't about look at me. 
Um, he was very, very humble. And it's the power of one guy to save 700 children through his actions. And I don't know what his belief was. I don't know if he was a Christian or not. But if he did that all on his own, imagine what he could have done with God. You know what stuck out to me a lot when I saw that video? When they said, if you owe your life to Nicholas Winston, would you please stand up? And all those elderly people around him stood up. And they had children, and their children had children. That he didn't realize the full scope of what he did and the life that he brought. But what really stuck out to me was the people behind him that were sitting down, and I know they were probably in the audience, but I, I imagine that when, when Jesus, when we stand before Jesus, everyone that Jesus saved and acknowledged him as the Lord and Savior, please stand up. And then my heart breaks for all the people that don't stand up. Those are the people we're here for. Those are, those are the ones that we want to affect change and that we have to bring the message of the gospel to because the day will come and there will be those that won't receive the, the rewards of heaven and won't receive the life of the new heaven and the new earth. And some of them are your friends. Some of them are your family. Some of them are your coworkers. And I know it's hard. Some of them are your friends at school. It's hard sometimes to be different, and it's going to get harder. Bill said last week, in the next 10 years in this country, the persecution that, that we may face as Christians. And, he, and I think he even made the comment that some of us might even be put in jail for what you believe. The question is, is if you're not connected with the truth, and you don't realize that you are the solution, that Jesus is using you and me to, to affect change, to overcome sin. Jesus was the permanent fix, and we get to be a part of that solution for the world. Would you stand?